You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Brendan Tracy's wines are punk rock. It's a reflection of his days playing music venues with Black Flag and the Dead Kennedys. He took this rebellious streak and applied it to his wines, which are scarce and sought after. I'm sitting here with Brendan Tracy. Very happy to have him here. He came from France, from Loire Valley, but he's an ex-patriot. No, I'm, I'm still a... I'm a Are you an American citizen still? I'm a patriot. Dual? Double dual nationality. Okay. Yeah, I was born in, in Morristown, New Jersey, not far from here. Okay. And you're in for a, uh, a goat boy tasting in New York City, and you're going to Austin, Texas to Wild World, another big natural event? Yeah, it's a celebration of wild or savage or yeasts, <laughs> which I, I love the idea. It's right. like it's beer, cider... And wine, and eventually bread, and mm-hmm. anything that you can do with wild, oh. savage, right. punk rock, punk yeasts. rock stuff. So let's start. You, uh, your native New Jersey guy. How do you go from New Jersey uh, to Paris to making wine? And oh, actually, wait, I'm sorry, I skipped over your whole well, musical uh, career. So let's get uh, let's get to that. Well, actually, well. it was like traveling in a in a beetle bug. My mm-hmm. parents were first before going to San Francisco. They were beatniks. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when they got to San Francisco, they became hippies, mm-hmm. and we traveled across the U.S. in a you know Volkswagen Beetle. Wow, that's. Uh... And uh, we got there in '63 or '64. Mm-hmm. I was just a little kid, mm-hmm. so I have this sort of memory of Marstown, where I was born, mm-hmm. and because George Washington had his headquarters there, I was back the first time I did a tasting event here for T. Edward and mm-hmm. and. Byron Bates, Goat Boy Selections. I sort of went there just to check out my the, the city where I was born, where I mm. went to uh, kindergarten and, right. and school. And because it, this place being Washington's headquarters, nothing had changed at all. And it was like, I was astonished because I was imagining that the whole place, usually when you go back to, from what I've read, someplace where you were born uh, 40 years out later and, or 50 years, it, it's totally changed. And it was exactly the, the way I... I remembered it. So that's Morristown, New Jersey? Yeah. Right. That's kind of crazy. I think the irony that uh, you now live in the Loire Valley, which is the Jardin of France, the Garden of France, and you came from the Garden State. Yeah, so. absolutely. And right. it's a sort of same philosophy, because where I live, it's like the castle country. Mm-hmm. All the uh, kings and queens of France love that region because the climate is so mild. Mm-hmm. And I guess the wines are really good. They love the wines there. And there's something magical. And... There's the same tradition about you know keeping the place pretty much intact and around the castles, and there's so many castles yeah. in that area. The Loire Valley is absolutely beautiful. I've been a number of times to taste. So most people know the Loire Valley for Sancerre and Muscadet. Okay. Uh, but uh, before we get to the wine part of the, this uh, incredible journey, your life, I'd love to talk about um, your, your life in San Francisco. Uh, prior to going to Paris. Uh, so you were in a punk band, The Insults. Uh, yeah, well, actually, it's, I had two going back and forth between San Francisco and France. Mm-hmm. Um, when my parents, when we traveled across the U.S. in this BW Beetle bug, we got there in 63, I remember now. Um, so I grew up there and, and stayed there 
till 67. Mm-hmm. And my parents decided wanted to just rent a house and go off for two years and travel around hmm. North America and, and, and Europe. So we went to Mexico. Right. And um, north of Mexico City in a place called San Miguel de Allende in the state of mm-hmm. Guanajuato. Mm-hmm. And I went to a school in Mexico with my sister, Sheila. And um, we stayed there for a while. I, I actually, at the end, I was almost speaking fluent Spanish. Whatever. And, and then we went to France because my mom's French. And right. uh, I guess my parents had this idea that we'd be there. But it, some, I don't know. It, it was... So you had this vagabond lifestyle. Yeah. Right? You know, like so living out of a van with your family, a VW bug. It's kind of, it sounds very Kentkeesian kind of uh, Yeah, absolutely. My, my, my dad was like a big fan of uh, Jack Kerouac on the road and, and the beat generation, Ginsburg and all, mm-hmm. and Timothy Leary afterwards for the, the Kool-Aid, whatever. Sure. So. And, and whatever. And so he, his thing was like, we were gypsies. We were going to travel around. Then we went a bit to. Then we went to Canada because on my dad's side, my grandmother was an English Canadian. We lived right. in, in Canada for a while, and um, then we went back to, the, to to San Francisco again, and and we were right there in the whole hippie psychedelic era. Right. So you were raised in this anti-establishment kind of environment. Oh, totally, right. totally, totally. Uh, and then vegetarians and like, wow. smoking weed with my dad. Take I took LSD with my dad. It's, Holy shit! It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's. A, I was a fucking how, how old long hair hippie. Wow. How old were you? You dropped ass with your dad. Uh, about I guess fourteen or fifteen. Holy shit! It's like at that time in San Francisco, if you weren't doing all this shit, you were not normal. Right. It's. That's so crazy. Most 14-year-old kids are being yelled at by their parents. Clean your room, pick up after yeah. yourself. And your dad's like, look at the world. We're going to clean the world up. <laughs> and he was Through he, the psychedelics. He got pissed at me yeah. at one point when I moved to France. After my parents' divorce, I guess they wanted to live their free love, hippie life. And so they sort of got rid of my sister and I and sent, off, uh, sent us off to our relatives in, in, in France to learn French officially. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to just stay there for a year. And so I, I sort of understood what was going on. So my, after a year, my sister went back, and I said, no, no, I'm not coming back. Wow. I'm going to stay here and continue my studies. Mm-hmm. So I figured out a solution with my, one of my aunts, who is a journalist, and she wanted to uh, open up this antique business in, in Blois in the Loire Valley. Mm-hmm. She said, okay, will you help me out on weekends, and, and you can stay. And I'll, so know. that's pretty cool. So you learned the language while you were there. Absolutely. Uh, learned a business while you were there. We were going to school, so you still... Yeah, like, I got my, what they call the baccalaureate. It's like right. a high school diploma, plus mm-hmm. one year. It's like the equivalent of a high school diploma here, plus one year of college. Mm-hmm. Then I went on, I studied fine arts for a year, because I was sort of I had this idea that I was going to be in cinema or whatever. Um, but after a year, I, I, didn't, I stopped doing that. And then I went to Paris, to the Sorbonne, and studied film critique, mm-hmm. which is really, in, it was like... What year was that? Was that it, like, it was like uh, 75 and 76. Wow. And then after that, my dad was sending me a bit of money each month so I could you know, survive. And I said, and he said, what, at one point, you stop this shit, you're not going anywhere, come back to the U.S. So I went back to the U.S., mm-hmm. and my mom had got married a second time, and the, the guy she was married with was in the construction business on, in Monterey, in Monterey Peninsula. Mm-hmm. And so I worked with him. It was like really exciting. I did this, you know, this physical job, and, it was, and I had a friend that I'd met there, and he's in a punk rock band. He said, hey, we're looking for a singer. Uh, you why don't you come and try out? And I said, well, I've never been in a band. I, I've never, 
Did you I, play an instrument this time, or just, well, just, just vocals? Uh, when I was in, in San Francisco, and I was in the um, elementary school, I, I was in the, in the orchestra. They, they needed a clarinet player, and, and one of my teachers had made everybody sing in the class, and it, it, it turns out that I had this perfect ear, and that I could actually sing pretty well. Hmm. So, but I had never done anything musically since that, so I, so I played in the band, and I, I played clarinet, but never after that. And um, it turned out that I, I still knew how to sing and, and whatever, and so they, they got me in that band. And there were, it's like the beginning of the punk rock movement, right. and the, there, weren't, there weren't any venues on the Monterey Peninsula at that time, so we'd go to San Francisco and we'd open so up for cool. right. the Dead Kennedys. We played one of the beginning gigs with the Black Flag, Black Flag with, right. with Keith Morris, the first right. singer, and the, the, the famous bands in San Francisco at that, at that time, the Avengers, the Mutants. Uh, it was a band from Vancouver that would come down, DOA. That would oh, yeah, come. sure, sure. So the Dead Kennedys, uh, I remember listening to in Boston, in, on the radio station in Boston because of the Kennedy Association. They wouldn't say Dead Kennedys. They called them the DKs. Oh, okay. Kind of crazy. I don't know if that's like... So but in San Francisco, uh, it, it, it was the Dead, dead Kennedys, Kennedys, of yeah. course. Yeah. So that was uh, probably 1979, the Dead right. Kennedys, right? So I have... Uh, a, a song that I love that uh, I think you will probably know. Um, Holiday in Cambodia. It's Holiday in Cambodia. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, this I is, love that song. I think this is 1979. Yeah, it's time when. Yeah, it's time we opened up. You know, it was that, that fresh fruit for rotting vegetables. It was the time when that album came out. It was the very beginning, pretty much, of the, the, the punk rock scene. Mm. It's yeah. very exciting. But we, yeah. it's, what's really weird is that at the time, I, we, I didn't even realize you know, what was going on. It's just like we had this sort of intuitive energy mm-hmm. in something. We just, the, the period was like Ronald Reagan. And yeah, well, you just had to get this shit out. That was like 1979. So 1979 was this kind of weird... Uh, year it was uh, the the Iran uh, hostage crisis. Yeah, right? America held hostage. Absolutely. It was the oil embargo. Uh, the mayor of San Francisco, Marcone and Harvey Milk were Harvey Milk murdered, murdered, assassinated. Yeah, and then there were the uh, the guy who shot them was Dan White, and they didn't even the Twinkie the, scandal, the, the Twinkie scandal, the Twinkie <laughs> defense. So Dan White <laughs> said he lost his mind from eating junk food, and right. it was henceforth called the Twinkie defense. That's, that's so imaginative. He's a punk rocker too, in yeah. sort of way. Yeah, I, he is, and uh, so he never got. Um, so they didn't get first-degree murder. They only charged them on manslaughter. Mm. And then because of that, there were riots in the streets of San Francisco, right. the, the, the famous white riots. Um, white riot. white <laughs> riots. White riots, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, the music was informed by all the stuff. There was a Three Mile Island right. uh, yeah. the, the, disaster. The, the right? nuclear, the nuclear yeah, leak. Um, I mean, there was all this crazy shit happening. Absolutely. And, so it made and there was disco, incredible disco. disco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, I loved well, it at the, at the same time. Well, because <laughs> it's like either punk rock, you're either going to fight, or disco, you're going to fuck. It's the way we're built. We fight, <laughs> or we fuck. That's what people do. And so after the insults concerts uh, at the Mubuhe Gardens, that was mm-hmm. the venue on Broadway Avenue mm-hmm. in San Francisco, I'd go hang out at disco places. And I was a big fan of Giorgio Moroder and, and Donna Summers' uh, I Feel Love. It was like the first electro-techno thing that ever happened. And it was just, oh, I feel love, sure. I feel love. I feel love, I feel love, I feel love. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Boy, she's rolling over in a grave now. 
but uh, yeah. yeah, no, it, it, it was a really crazy time because I, yeah. I was around in 1979. And the and, beginning yeah. of the homo, well, the homosexual thing too is right. like all these things converging in this is going from this hippie thing and and it, I guess m- my desire to be a punk or be happy about it pe- being mm. a punk because I it was sort of happened by accident, mm. but I was really said well it's sort of logical because it's sort of like a way of being a revolting against my hippie parents and that cut off my hair and just which is kind of funny though it's the exact same vein the anti-establishment vein but you're yeah. a punker you're like fuck you and your your vegan food and you probably started eating meat yeah when you're absolutely. A punker, right yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm gonna right. totally fucking rebel i'm gonna have a hamburger motherfucker absolutely uh, uh yeah it's that was a, a really a, a crazy uh era so what's it like on stage with black flag um and the just Dickens, energy I mean, it, it's and just, uh, it's it's sort of like this full life forming educative mm-hmm. educational thing. Right. It's like I was very shy before that. I was just almost autistic. I I could be in a room and not open my mouth because I was afraid of saying something stupid and just be so so shy that you know people would sort of ignore me. Hmm. And because of the punk rock movement, I just discovered that who, I just you got something inside you. Liberate it and, and, just, and scream it and scream right. it and, and just and all those bands just and don't yelling. be complex yeah. just be uncomplexed mm. I don't well, the, the Sex Pistols the music is like two instruments a, a, a guitar a drum and somebody screaming yelling right yeah. actually 1979 uh, Sid Vicious died yeah overdose and heroin well we were far away on yeah. the west coast we're, right. we were inspired by that of course by the right. clash I was I, I really loved the, I was inspired by uh, the Buzzcocks and their sort yeah. of way of singing uh, sort of high, you know, octave mm. stuff. And I was, because when you have, playing the guitarist had a double stack Marshall amp. And for me to make my myself heard, I had to sing in higher octaves mm. in, in the, what, les aigus in French, les aigus, uh, uh, high pitch. Right. So do you remember what you auditioned uh, for the band with? What did you sing? Do you remember? <laughs> That's a good, I think I, saw, I sang stuff like um, garage Stuff from the '60s. I was a big fan of um, the 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 Seeds, uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders. Paul Revere and the Raiders. Wow. And yeah. So like Stepping Stone. I don't yeah. want to be your Stepping Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Gloria, because mm-hmm. I love Gloria. Oh, that's a great. That's, a, that's an anthem. That's man. the first song I yeah. learned to play and sing. Mm-hmm. It's like three chords. It's, it's like mm-hmm. a punk rock, you know, proto. Right. Thing. Exactly. It's three chords, a drum, and yeah. uh, so. What, what's crazy to me is uh, I look at you now, I look at the wines that you make, and they are rebellious as, you know, as anything that's out, uh, coming out of the Loire Valley, uh, but fantastic. I mean, you have this incredible cult following. Uh, the wines come into New York, they disappear. Yeah, I don't understand that. I feel like I'm just so too fucking old, and why, why you know, it's well, weird. Yeah, I mean, well, you came to the wine game a little late, because, so let's do, you're in music, and then you're also a uh, journalist, uh, or had a radio station in Paris? In, in, no, in the, in the Loire Valley. In the Loire Valley, in, okay. in, in right. a place called Blois, mm-hmm. where there's there's a, an amazing castle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a cool castle. If you want to, it's like a, a good introduction to all the castles in, in the Loire Valley because it's like four different periods and mm-hmm. like medieval, very ancient medieval, and then it's uh, sort of um, gothic, and then it's sort of classical mm-hmm. and, and, and Renaissance in yeah. between. It, it's it's incredible. It's an incredible place, and it's 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 a lot of history going on in Blois. And I have this sort of because my my the, my initial French family was there, and that's where I, I 
did my studies. Okay. So let's go from music back to wine. How do you get into the wine business after being in a punk band in San Francisco? You go back to... So I went back to uh, France in 1981, mm-hmm. and it coincided with the election of uh, the socialist, Francois Mitterrand. All right. Sure. And he liberated the, um, the airwaves. Mm-hmm. Ah. And uh, there was like, all of a sudden, there was like 1,500 local radio stations, free radios that popped up all over France. And I happened to help found one of them in, in Blois. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were volunteers for three years. And at one point, the people who were directing the, the radio, was, it was a, an association. Hmm. Uh, do you say that in English? Yeah, yeah association. Yeah. And um, this, they hired, like out of the 100 volunteers, they hired four people to, to be, you know, have it. Be professionals. And wow! I was lucky to be one of the people. And what, what was the like the subject matter, the theme of your show? Well, I was started out as a DJ, and mm-hmm. it was like I was doing this show called American FM. Mm-hmm. It was like hit, you know, hit parade. It's like okay, so you were doing uh, top forty? Yeah, top forty. <laughs> shit. So the punkers spinning uh, Michael but, Jackson off the wall. Is that what you were? But really I was playing? doing that. Yeah. But at the same time, there was like all these. We still kept the sort of. Uh, uh, radio associative in French, the sort of association thing, and we mm. still had people volunteering and, and doing punk rock mm. uh, shows, and I, I, was, I still did one on the side every once a week. Wow! So I'd play yeah, Californian punk rock, hardcore, and stuff, mm. and uh, there was all a whole different styles of music from the Antilles or the French Bermudas, right. and African music, and, and country music, and and, and French uh, sort of like. Uh, what they, uh, chanson uh, like Jacques Brel, you know, classical. Oh, Jacques Brel, sure. You know, all that, mm. all that stuff, and it was it's, yeah. and classical music. Right. It was just all, all these different styles of music, and then eventually we sort of figured out that if we wanted to be commercially successful, we had to um, sort of do this for you know for format mm. radio like. And so the, I, they, I, they asked me to be the director of programs, so cool. I, I did that. And then I, I did that for a long time, and then at one point they said, well, we need a, a journalist reporter. So I, I did this um, formation at this professional French school, uh, hmm. L'École des Journalistes in Paris, uh, a crash course, in, hmm. in, in, so I could learn how to do interviews and, and do editing and stuff like wow. that. And so uh, for 15 years, until the end, I, I was... A, Reporter, and through that job, I met these pioneers in my region, oh, the wine region, the, the yeah. wine region, yeah. who are doing natural wines. Right. And I, like everybody, like, you, you taste once and the second time, and then the third time, you sort of wow. It's like yeah. I had this mystical uh, revelation. Yeah, I, I you know I could see it. I, I see the tie between Loire Valley um, natural wine and the punk movement. Um, because it's about an energy, an energy that you were talking about, so, this yeah. uh, desire to fight and yell and scream. And uh, to me, that's a the Loire Valley is, particularly the, the natural wines in general. To me, it, they, this is the artist colony. This is the radical colony of, of the uh, wine region in France because in Bordeaux, it's very serious and expensive. Burgundy, yeah. very serious and expensive. But you go to Loire Valley, it's a different. They're real farmers. They're real people. But we don't uh, consider, we never say yeah, we're, no. we're artists or anything. It's no. just we're, we have this raw punk rock energy. Absolutely. Right. You're right about that. Mm. And the pioneers like the Puzlas or mm. Michel Auger or Didier Barouillet or Jean, Jean, Michel, uh, Jean, Jean, Jean-Pierre Robineau, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, they have this thing, but we don't actually... It's like right. when we were... I was involved in the punk rock movement in, in Monterey and in San Francisco. We're not 
realizing what's happening. We're just doing it. Right. And there's a, and there's a savage element to it, though. Yeah. And, and that's what's great. It's not like we're yeah. being sort of, you know, narcissistic or something about... We, we just... We had this energy. We're getting this fucking energy out and yeah. just being, you know... Feels good, right? Yeah, it's great. Oh. So, so let's let's get into the wine a little bit. So, tell me about your first vintage, like how this happens, how you stumble into making wine because you're not a kid when you get into the wine world, right? Okay. Well, when I'm still working at the radio and, mm-hmm. and I discover these wines, it's like it's mystical revelation. It's like after the third time I taste the wines and I get, I interview all these pioneers and they tell me about the infinitely small and the infinitely big. It's like this cosmic thing, mm-hmm. and I realize that wow, this is so incredible. Like, we're in this cosmos, in this world, the earth going around the sun and the moon going around the earth and, and the sun going, you know, around the, 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 mm. the constellation, well, the, uh, yeah, the constellation, I guess. Mm. Um, and I sort of, yeah, this, it's like, wow, this is so cool because, like, the grapevine has its roots in the earth and the leaves sort of spread out towards the cosmos. Mm. And I, I, I sort of figure out, you, you want to be part of that, yeah. This the infinitely small, the infinitely infinitely huge, and and sort of be there at the, the interface between all this, and, right. and 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 sort of a company guide natural wines. I, I figured it out mm-hmm. thanks to to Cherry and and all these other people and his friend who plays played guitar in my band, Pascal Simonuti too. Okay, Simonuti. He's yeah, he's a pretty famous uh, yeah, uh, yeah. winemaker as well. So what? Um, this, tell me about like the first vintage and who helped you through it. And you were, so it sounds like you were blessed to have, be surrounded by some of the best yeah. and brightest that make natural wine. It, uh-huh. but it took a lot of uh, self motivation and mm-hmm. you know, quitting the radio. And like I, I was fifty four when I quit the radio, and people saying in France, especially like they're so conservative. I mean, you're crazy. You're leaving this good job, and you're going out into the unknown. And and wow, okay. So, but I said I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And um, and what people don't realize, and we've t- discussed it on this show before, is to make wine. It's it's labor. It's hard work. It's physical labor, yeah. right? And and the first three years, it's like it's these. Uh, agricultural cycles it's like for a year you know you're waiting for the, the grapes to grow and you harvest them and if you make natural wine with you know savage yeast natural yeast mm-hmm. uh, sometimes the fermentations go away like the when I started out it took a year and a half so I didn't start selling my wines begin selling my wines before for three years mm-hmm. what was the first uh, wine you made well, it was in 2010 mm-hmm. when I got started. So I, I went back to school mm-hmm. before I started making wine because I wanted to at least know, you know the basics and stuff. And I did my apprenticeship with Thierry Puzla because mm-hmm. I love the way he, he makes his wine. He makes great wine. And uh, he sort of would un- teach me what I was learning at school. But it's, it's important to know lo- you know, both sides. Mm-hmm. And it, learning how to make technological, conventional wine reinforces the idea what if you you have that those ethics about natural wine you really understand why you don't want to do that right yeah and so then i after i got my diploma i worked for a year in other people's places my friend pascal simonetti would always say it's better to make the your first mistakes at other people's places <laughs> before getting started so which, fuck their wine up first <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so that's what i did and so i officially got started 
after two years after I left the radio in 2010. That was and were my you first. leasing a vineyard, or you were? Yeah, I was uh, leasing a vineyard, and so I did. Uh, I did three cuvées. I did a pet nat, hmm? a petillon naturel, which hmm. is a ancestral method of uh, sparkling wine. Yeah, which is um, I love. You leave mm-hmm. a little bit of sugar. You put you bottle the, the, the fermenting juice with a bit of sugar, and it keeps on fermenting, and it you know gets carbonic gas in the bottle, and it's just natural, mm-hmm. and you, whatever. And so that was a pink ball, pink bull, mm-hmm. and then I did a red called the Capitalisme Rouge, red capitalism. Right, it's a dead end garage, um, and it's a assemblage of uh, cot and gamay one third cod and two-thirds gamay mm-hmm. it's sort of light red wine it's half you know well the style of red wines because egotistically uh, and sincerely i just make wines i enjoy or want to drink, to drink. and and the, i did a white wine rue de la soif mm-hmm. the street of thirst which is a sort of a <laughs> i love all the word play on your wines we're sitting speaking of which let's taste we have the wawa Okay. Uh, so that's what's in your glass if you want to taste oh, right. and we can okay. talk about this. Uh, so the names, are, I love the names, and they're obviously inspired, once again, by this kind of rebellious, rebellious nature um, and just fun. And yeah, just not, right. my idea is just not to bore people and, mm. and, and egotistically not to bore myself. Right. So I'm, I just try to figure out new things and, and not get stuck into a routine process or something that, you know, just, Sometimes I, you have to do it because you've got to make a living. So sometimes I, I, I do do that. But when I can avoid it, I just do new stuff. Mm-hmm. Even if it, the wine has the same label, from one year to another, the wines probably won't, won't, won't taste the same at all. They don't. We've been tasting the wines for a couple of years now, and they're spectacular. Uh, so you uh, make a wine that I, I want to talk about for a second. Uh, because a lot of people who don't drink a ton of wine don't know this uh, varietal. It's called Pinot Donace. Right. And it's spelled, and I'm going to spell it so people can find it P I N E A U. D apostrophe. Right. A U N I S? Yeah. Okay. It's a very old varietal. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And uh, you didn't see a lot of it. And I only knew a couple of producers that were making it for a while. And yours comes in and flies out, and you can't find it anywhere. So it's Brendan Tracy. Uh, Pinot Donace. If you can find it, you should drink it. It's light. It's it's spicy and peppery and right. uh, lower in alcohol. And um, uh, the wine is uh, spectacular. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I hope not to bore anybody. And I hope we're not boring anybody right now. No. But and I was when I did that. It's I was very inspired by the um, the Pinot Donace that my friend Pascal Simonetti uh, mm-hmm. used to make. But he had this terrible motorcycle accident and he's stopped making wine a few years ago but it's sort of um this yeah this i wanted to honor his his style of wine and he really inspired me and he still he still inspires me now is so if i make that style of pinot and it's, it's thanks to to the pascal and, and production wise like how many bottles do you make how many cases are you at right now well we've had terrible a succession of terrible vintages years and vintages yeah. because yeah. of the climatic whatever is going on and so we've been getting frosts uh, for successive years. So uh, I've been with those years. Uh, you know, you don't get a lot less yield per he- per hectare. Mm-hmm. A hectare is a, roughly a, a, around two the twi- double of American acres. Right. And um, so I in those years I, I did like twenty to twenty two thousand bottles. And in good years, 
I try to make about thirty-five thousand bottles. So you have like two to three thousand cases, really. Okay, yeah, and that's, yeah. and that's divided among four or five different wines, and that's why the uh, wine about twelve, twelve. I, oh, twelve! Holy yeah, crap! Actually, yeah. So that's why it's an incredible scarcity of these wines, and that's why I want people to find them after they hear this, uh, because uh, well, we're drinking the Wawa, uh, and what's the name uh, come from Wawa? Well, because I, I play guitar, and it's, yeah. it's this huh. pedal. Oh, the Wawa pedal that Jimi Hendrix and, yeah. and Eric Clapton used right. in the group Cream, and mm. it was very popular in the late '60s. It's psychedelic, right. and I'm, I just love that effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reds and the white do have this energy you talk about, um, and I think people who first discover natural wine—that's the one thing they noticed. A couple of things, particularly in your wines, there is this energy and vibrancy to them. You just want to put it up to your mouth and have another sip yeah. right away. Um, they're lower in alcohol. Um, That's because of the Loire Valley, yeah, right. Which is which is great. Which is a choice. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine making my style of wine like in the south of France or, or you know, some more, t- or in California, where there's a lot more sun and sunshine and hot weather, and the, the alcohol level w- would go way up. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't get these light, drinkable wines that I, I, I try to make that I enjoy drinking. Right. It's a, a sort of. I guess I'm sort of a friendly alcoholic. I just. <laughs> I like wines that you can drink just because you're thirsty, yeah. but I, wa- I have to work and, you know, not, you know, die right away, so they don't have to, I want them to be just drinkable and, and just fresh. fun and fresh yeah. And, yeah. And, and electric. And I have to tell you the difference between uh, drinking wines at 14, 15% alcohol and then between the 10 and 12 is night and day. Uh, I had dinner last night, had a bottle of Chateauneuf, almost 15% because it's Chateauneuf. And something else, and you do it slows you down. You feel it the next day. You have a couple of bottles of these wines. There's not much of a hangover unless you're drinking a lot, <laughs> or, or if, if it's not natural, it has yeah. a bunch of sulfites, and then you'll get and, a definite. And that's what people talk about. And it's yeah. not bullshit. Uh, we're, this is our business. We know uh-huh. um, that these wines uh, do. You, know, you don't feel bad in the morning, right, uh, right. If you're just having a bottle of wine, but if you drink yeah. two or three bottles, you yeah. might feel a bit sort of foggy or something. Mm-hmm. Or fuzzy, right. like one of the names of one of my cuvées is called Fuzz. Mm. But I, I do pet not still, but they they have a, other names. The white ones I did in 2015 is called Outsider Brut. Mm. Okay, and I'll be making some uh, new ones from the 2018 harvest. Mm. That one, the white one from Chenin is going to be Outsider, and um, the other one, uh, Oh Wawa Watusi. <laughs> And the inspiration for the Wawa Watusi is well, I'm a where's big, the Watusi come uh, in? The venture, I'm a big fan of the Ventures, mm-hmm. this instrumental group from the surf period in, oh. in California, and they had this song called Wawa Watusi. Because I have this Mazrite guitar, the ones that they use, but the Ramones also used it. Some of these, yeah, I, have, I have one of those with the, the Ventures model. It's, it's an incredible electric guitar. And are you still playing music? Yeah, uh, yeah, I have in, this in punk rock band right, right. now. Yeah. Wow, what's the name of the band? We don't have a name yet. We're, if anybody has suggestions, it has okay. to be simple and email it in, and I'll pass <laughs> okay. it. I'll pass it along uh, to uh, to uh, Brendan. And so, what uh, what what's on the horizon for you? I mean, the wines continue to just you 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 have a following. We have a tasting. You have a tasting. People line up at the table. Uh, it happened today. It happens everywhere you are. It seems like I, I don't know I don't about know. that. Man. Yeah. I, I don't. It's right. not my. It's not my problem. I just you just do what you do. I'm, I'm just a big ego, yeah. egotist. I just make yeah. wines that I enjoy drinking. I'm an alcoholic, and I drink every day. And I, I just want to proud of that. That's good. Drinks nice wines and not get too drunk so that I can 
keep living and, and just do my, my job mm-hmm. and have fun. If I were younger and had the time and the money, go to the north of Portugal because it's, the climate sort of resembles the Loire mm-hmm. and there's like this big potential in unknown varieties because my big hobby is seeking out varieties that are sort of forgotten, yeah. like the Gamay de Bouze that I use in Wawa Light that mm-hmm. we're tasting right, right now. Which has, so it's a gamay that has it's a rustic variety that has red pulp and juice, mm-hmm. which is you know just totally uncommon. And um, I seek out these parcels that were ripped out by the uh, the AOPs and the AOCs, right. which are very it's very dramatic because they sort of you know, the AOP AOC, which I respect. Maybe there was some reason for doing that at one point, right. but they sort of formatted. Yeah, people and the winemakers and everything, and they just those are two governing bodies that say this is what you're going to grow right. in this area, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts. And if you don't do this, you're not you don't get the label of, for instance, Marula has she known? He's like, I don't want to, you know, I I want to do this, I want to do that, and they're like, no, it can't be she known. He's like, all right, screw it, then I'm not she known, and he just names his single parcel. And I think that's what makes the Loire Valley very cool. It is this kind of like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah, don't don't tread on me, man. Anarchist, but, libertarian, yeah. punk rock thing. Is, yeah. it's, and it's there. You go there and you go to right. the festivals. You go to the Dive and you go to these uh, uh, different shows and you can see. It's just like, it's why it's become so popular because it's, uh, um, it's a great destination. But the free thinking and the free doing uh, as far as winemaking is, I don't, I can't think of many places that are... Um, you know that that have this kind of ethos. Really? Uh, I yeah. I mean, I mean, I've I've traveled. You know, I I will say I'm, I'm going to Portugal. I just okay. had Natalie Jessa on from Gota Wines, and she loves. She's doing the same thing you're doing. She's exploring all these varietals and uh, replanting and uh, and finding lost vineyards and mm. and, uh, and loving what she's doing. Okay. But Loire is special. I have to meet her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's uh, special. But the Loire Valley is a very special place. Um, uh, Nicholas Jolie was on uh, ep- a prior episode and wow. uh, invited us all to come to his uh, 12th century castle, I believe. So we're going to put a crew together to go see Nicholas Jolie. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> That'd be very I've cool. never been there. Yeah. But... Uh, so how often are you on the road, uh, like out of shows? Or I mean, you love coming back to the U.S., I'm sure. Yeah, I travel about three or four times. I, I try to go to different places where I haven't been. My My big project would be, because I've just recently started exporting wine because there's there's this fad i guess or interest in in the asiatic countries mm-hmm. so i just recently i've been exporting wine to japan china wow. thailand and, and south korea wow and have you been uh, working no not yet ago? but I'm, I'm really fascinated by that culture because they there's sort of this mixture between tradition very right. ancient traditions and this they're into like hyper modern technology and I just find that so totally amazing it's fascinating it is cool you know what's very cool is uh, lots of great sushi places in New York City and we always talk about food and wine on the show a little bit and uh, natural wine particularly pet nats I think but natural wine in general because of the low alcohol because of this natural kind of uh, spice umami thing that happens in a lot of the wines yeah. they are a perfect match for sushi and, and Korean food and apparently that's yeah. what the Asiatics love about my wines. It that's, just goes really well with their, their style of, of that's cuisine. Why I, yeah, that's why I was thinking it's blowing up. It makes sense. Uh, yeah. The food wine thing makes uh, you put the two together and you got your peanut butter and jelly. People are like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. I got the eureka moment. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, 
Uh, I want to say thank you for being on the show, and uh, I totally appreciate it. I've been wanting to get you on, and I know you just came from dinner, and I grabbed you, and yeah. I went over and grabbed you before you went out and destroyed New York City. I wanted to catch you. Uh. I'm happy I wasn't so drunk that I couldn't say something in, at least feasibly not too unintelligent or something, and the time went really fast so yeah. I, I wasn't bored so yeah, thank no, you I, I don't think you're a talented interviewer uh, thank you and I, I want everybody to find your wine and good luck finding them I know that uh, uh, you, you have to uh, just do punch in wine searcher there's not a there's a scarcity element here for sure but I guarantee you if you find Wawa Light if you find the Pinot Donés or if you find the Roma Verde or the Pat Nats, you will be happy and think sushi think Korean and you'll be even happier and if you come through the Loire Valley, if you're in my neighborhood, just ring me up. And if, uh, you know, if I'm there, I'd be happy to. Okay, cool. Thanks a lot. Thank I you, man. Brennan. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar.